If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Welcome to You Decide 2023, the race for Jacksonville Mayor. This is a special edition of Jacksonville's Morning News on 104.5 WOKV. Live from the Farrah and Farrah Performance Studio, here's Rich Jones and April Davis. And we welcome you into the Farrah and Farrah Performance Studio as another one of our candidate spotlight conversations continues. I want to make sure that I reset because we're nearing the end of the first week of this spotlight series in April as, as we talked about in planning for this. Our goal throughout is to provide each of the candidates the same opportunity, a chance to be heard on the issues that matter most to Jacksonville and to Duval County, and a chance to do it before early voting gets underway. And so as we reached out to every candidate, we appealed to them in the same way to say, hey, go beyond the soundbite and an opportunity to come into the Fair and Fair Performance Studio, explain your position on a couple of issues. This isn't a debate, this is a chance to get to know what makes the candidate tick on some really important issues. And we're pleased to have our next candidate in the studio again this morning. Yeah, I'm so glad we did this, Donna, because it does give us a little more time to kind of feel things out and have a little more time to discuss the big issues. So uh, just a quick introduction for you, Donna Deegan is here. She has been living in Jacksonville for, for a long time, has a long family history here, fifth generation Jacksonville native, veteran evening news anchor, so you might recognize her from that. She was a reporter and anchor for 25 years here in Jacksonville um, and maybe beyond. We'll talk about that. And then uh, founder of the Donna Foundation, which you may be familiar with that as well. We just had the marathon recently at the beaches, the 26.2 with Donna, of course, uh, the National Marathon to Finish, Breast Cancer, as it's referred to. So uh, you also have a family, two children. You graduated uh, from a university here. So lots of Florida roots. Absolutely. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me and for the opportunity to do more than, than a soundbite. You know, as somebody who's been on television for many, many years, I am now on the reverse side of being frustrated that when you talk to people for 30 seconds, they give you seven. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a great opportunity. Well, and then what becomes difficult <laughs> is when we have such a long conversation to be able to morsel it down. But sure. uh, again, that's why we want to provide the video uh, uh, feed that's available on YouTube and on Facebook and at our voter guide at WOKB.com. Because I would imagine that there are probably still are some undecided voters who are out here in our community. Early voting doesn't begin until March 6th. People know the story maybe of Donna Deegan, and people may remember you from your most recent unsuccessful run for the House seat against John Rutherford. Mm -hmm. So then why now and why Jacksonville as a leadership position for you? Why do you see this as your best opportunity to get into that public service uh, mode in Jacksonville? Well, I want to first address what you brought up about the about the bid for Congress. Um, you know, we ran, I ran for Congress uh, largely on the fact that I was frustrated for some things that weren't happening uh, on the national level for Jacksonville, and chief among them probably healthcare, I was very frustrated with. But at the end of the day, that was a heavily, heavily gerrymandered uh, district for, for Republicans. There was um, only less than a third of the voters who were Democrats. And still, we brought over 100,000 additional votes from the previous cycle, a lot of them Republicans and independents, and we had the strongest performing red district in the state of Florida. So while we could not get over the top in that district, I felt like it was a, a good success 
successful experience and we got to reach out to a lot of voters and talk about a lot of important issues. Why now? Why this? Um, well, because I have been convinced that the, the greatest impact that I can have, not only on the health of our community, but on so many other policy issues that hold our community back, is by being in the seat, by being there in the arena locally so that we can move the dial locally on some of the issues that I think our community has been sort of stuck in a rut on uh, for many, many years. And so we can uh, move on to crime because that's been a big issue, not just locally, nationally, obviously it's come up, but um, we've seen a lot of gun violence in our area here in Jacksonville. And I'm just curious if you think that funding needs to change for JSO, uh, staffing, any changes for the sheriff's office here? Well, listen, um, I just read that, that uh, per capita, Jacksonville has four times the homicide rate as New York City, that was last year. We're not doing something right. You cannot do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. So do we need more police officers? It looks like we do. It looks like from the numbers I've seen that we probably do need more police officers. At the same time, I think we need um, a, a larger approach than just what we have been doing. And, and I'd like to, to, to sort of harken back to something that I thought was extremely successful back during the Peyton administration. And that was the Jacksonville journey. Do you remember the Jacksonville journey? 30 plus million dollars at the time. That was 2007, 8, 9, 10. I mean, today's dollars is probably upwards of 50 plus million dollars. Do you see an investment similar to that? Well, but he here's what I want to talk about as far as that is concerned. Uh, I think we need to, to have a multi-prong investment and that's what the journey was about. So I believe Nat Glover was the sheriff then. He believed heavily in community policing, which means that you, you actually embed officers in the communities in which they live and they have they have relationships with people in those communities. So it's not just a relationship of I come in when there's a crime and people may be afraid to talk to me or not necessarily trust me. But beyond that piece, there was a literacy piece. There was a food desert piece. There were all those things that get into the underlying causes of why we may have violent crime to really affect the outcome. And it was in a very concentrated area, an area of town where we see a lot of the, of the violent crime and, and homicides. And what we saw during that period of time, Rich, was a dramatic drop in violent crime. So what we saw was that worked. And so what I would say is, um, I am not averse to spending more money uh, in the sheriff's office if that is what we need. I would also like to see us have an approach that gets underneath those issues because I think if you if you just take the approach of I have a hammer so everything looks like a nail, um, you're not really going to long-term move the dial on those issues. I think as a mayor, my levers are largely economic. Um, you know, the sheriff is elected. He has a job to do. My job is to work with the sheriff to try to make uh, that as seamless a process as possible. But for me, I think those levers come down to what can I do to provide uh, better safety, through infrastructure, better health for people, and a better economy, bringing more people into the economy. Those are the three pillars of my campaign. The reality of the timing in order to achieve success, perhaps, and maybe even move the needle on crime and on that investment is going to be a challenge for anyone who's going to be into the office, whether right. it's you or any of the other seven candidates who are running for this, because the first budget is due. Would you see 
a, an investment like the Jacksonville journey come year two? Can you advocate for that as early as year one, knowing the way that the calendar works right, in Jacksonville? Right. The first budget has to be done right away. Look, you know, that, that you're, you're right on that. I mean, you know, the first budget is really almost done before you have an opportunity. So, so, but I do think you have to start those conversations and start that vision. I think the problem that we have had in Jacksonville is that we have not planned strategically for the long term. We've had folks who have come into office and frankly, from my point of view, have said, what can I do quickly to move the dial on things that will get me reelected? We have not taken the long view on anything. So, you know, um, if you know my family history, you know that uh, that Tommy Hazuri is is was my cousin. And we had many, many conversations about taking care of the foundational issues of this, of which this is one, um, in the city. And and the fact is, um, you cannot do all the shiny, beautiful stuff that you want to do unless you take care of the foundation. And to me, if you're going to move the dial on things like crime, you're going to have to take care of the infrastructure needs, those safety issues for people, lights, sidewalks, things that make for safe streets. Um, but you also have to make sure you're giving people an economic opportunity. So. So, so yes, I think by hopefully by year two we would we would be well into a, to a plan that would provide us with a multi-pronged approach that would move the dial. But it's not just up to me; it's up to the sheriff. And so I'm hoping that we would have the type of relationship where we could work on those things together. And so we'll talk about the bright, shiny things later. But yeah, you're right about the infrastructure. So is there anything in particular that you think needs some extra attention? in Jacksonville blight-wise or infrastructure-wise? Well, look, if you go back and you look at the pattern of neglect in our city um, from the time of consolidation, you could really go in concentric circles out from downtown. <laughs> so so that, that to me is how you go about uh, repairing those problems. We absolutely need a vibrant downtown. That starts with repairing our crumbling infrastructure. We have a city that is built largely uh, on a swamp, um, and we have a lot of roads and bridges and, and, and all sorts of drains drainage issues that, that, that are falling apart because for years we've kicked the can down the road on those. So downtown, the northwest quadrant is an area that has been largely ignored since the time of consolidation. We have promised folks in the northwest quadrant things uh, since the time of consolidation, and we have neglected to make good on those promises. And during a Donna Deegan administration, we will absolutely do that. We will make, make good on, on a very intentional effort um, to start replacing those septic tanks in a meaningful way. We've done a lot of performative things, and, and I'm not saying we can do it overnight, but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of federal grant money that we leave on the table for infrastructure and have for years because if somebody has a problem with who's in the White House or not, there's a political element to that. I don't care about party at all in this race, um, and no one should. Lights, sidewalks, uh, septic tanks, drainage, those are not party issues. We make them that way to win elections. But the truth is, we just need to get in and bring down the money that we need to move the dial on some of these issues for people we've been promising for years. You mentioned federal grant dollars may even be some state dollars available, yes. but a lot of that would also come from general fund. Are you looking to, in, in the first maybe year or two, on the uh, street lights and some of the septic tank removal, is that reapportioning money that exists in the budget? Are you seeking new spending or maybe even a new tax 
for that? How would you go about doing that and achieving it over the course of the first couple of years? Look, I think I think we have plenty of money right now. I really think that if you look at what the priorities are, especially for the federal government right now, there's plenty of money out there to go and get. Uh, I don't think we need to ask people to pay more taxes. Um, what happens, and the reason that 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 you saw that that tax that that the the, the gas tax um, that that nobody was particularly happy about, but what happens is when you kick the can down the road for so many years, um, then all of a sudden somebody puts a gun to your head and says, hey, if you want infrastructure, you're going to have to accept this tax. Let's stop doing that. That's what I'm saying. Let's start thinking strategically. Let's put the mechanisms in place that, look, may not be done by the time I get out of office. I'm really not concerned about that. I'm concerned about, about starting these processes in a way that we can continue down the road, and the next mayor won't want to rip it up and start over because we've made so much progress. And we're speaking with Donna Deegan, a candidate for mayor here in Jacksonville. Of course, we need to take a break. And uh, so glad that we're able to have this extended conversation with you. And we'll have more when we come back. And as a reminder, March 6th is the uh, early voting. Uh, the deadline is coming gone for the March 21st first election for, uh, to register to vote. But you do have opportunities, obviously, to get to know each and every one of the candidates. Find early voting locations. Find your precinct. There have been changes. There are every election cycle. We've made it really easy. Head to our voter guide at wokv.com where you can access all of that information through the Duval County Supervisor of Elections Office and learn more about the candidates. We'll pause for a moment as our Spotlight 2023 continues in the Farrah and Farrah Performance Studio on 104.5 WOKV. Back to more of You Decide 2023, the race for Jacksonville Mayor. Our special edition of Jacksonville's Morning News continues on 104.5 WOKV. Let's return to the Farrah and Farrah Performance Studio. Here's Rich Jones and April Davis. There are a lot of big issues facing Jacksonville over the next several years. We've come a long way in the last several years as well. And as we look to the future and we look to the next mayor's administration, we have an opportunity to meet each and every one of the candidates and go in-depth on some of the key issues that matter most to you. Welcome back. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate your time and attention on this critical election cycle in Jacksonville. Reminder of a couple of key dates. March 6th is the first day for early voting. With multiple early voting sites, you can find uh, any of those at WOKV.com in our voter guide. And election day, the first election, is March 21st. If no one candidate wins 50% plus one, this heads to a runoff on May 16th. We're visiting with Donna Deegan, who you may remember from First Coast News, a former TV news personality, 25 years in local news, and now with a 26.2 with Donna. And you remember these key dates from being on the the other side of the anchor desk you probably don't forget those in your head this one heads to probably a runoff do you anticipate it, it's such a crowded field i don't see that there's one that emerges maybe at 50 percent plus one how do you see it from your standpoint yeah listen um, we, we we have been um leading in the polls in this race since we got in uh, a year and a half ago and i think that is that is a um that that's because not only do folks know me, but I know them. I've been in their neighborhoods. Uh, I've been in their homes. I have tried to help many of their families um, when they were going through breast cancer. But um, polls are nothing compared to what happens on election day, right? You have to turn those people out. And people have to intentionally come out and decide they want to be part of the future of their city. So um, I'm grateful that we are where we are. But I think the, the very good likelihood is that we are headed to a runoff here. As you said, eight candidates, a lot of folks to choose from. And we'll just continue to press our case in the neighborhoods as we've done from the very beginning of this race, we have spent every week in the neighborhoods and community meetings, knocking on doors, talking to people, hearing from them, um, and, and trying to find out what do they believe is are, are the gaps 
uh, that they could see filled with a new mayor. 68% of folks say they believe we need a change in direction, and I think that's really good news for me. And if you're new to Jacksonville and you, and you may just be getting to know Donna and hopefully you're listening this morning and getting to know uh, the candidates as we interview each and every one of them here on WOKV, uh, you do have a, a long family history here in Jacksonville, including uh, a mayor in the family, a former mayor, and uh, also a restaurant that people may know of. The, what is it, the Roosevelt? Went back back in uh, in the 50s, my uh, my grandfather uh, started a restaurant called the Roosevelt Grill. It was over at Ashley and Davis back when that was really just an incredibly booming area. We used to have the most thriving, amazing, culturally advanced downtown you've ever seen. I'd love to see us get back to that. But yeah, people like uh, Ray Charles and Hank Aaron would hang out there. I mean, it was it was uh, it was a, a quite the, the iconic place in Jacksonville back in the day. But my family's been serving this city in one capacity or another for, for many years. A lot of it having to do with food big ethnic families <laughs> lots of food but uh but i uh i i am uh, i'm not the cook in the family but i am i am somebody who likes to serve well speaking <laughs> of a thriving downtown and a thriving city uh, i know we talked a little bit about infrastructure and, and that comes first and now we can get to the shiny things uh we've talked about the not you and we've talked on the air about uh, the four seasons coming to jacksonville and and so curious when would you try to negotiate with the Jags on a stadium lease extension, any improvements in that area, and should taxpayers expect to see any changes with that? Well, listen, you know, we, we talked about my deep roots here, right? I used to go to USFL games with my dad. I mean, I, I, I remember when, when we had, <clears throat> you know, all those those fits and starts, bringing an NFL team to Jacksonville. Um, you know, you had, uh, you had Colts fever and filling up the whole stadium, trying to get it. And then we had this incredibly, amazingly improbable, impossible uh, winning bid to get the Jacksonville's, uh, the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Uh, this is a can-do city when we put our minds together to get it done. And I think um, we definitely, I, at least I definitely, believe the Jaguars bring great value to Jacksonville. So I think there absolutely is an argument to be made for stadium improvements. What I would like to see, as you said, is I would like to see a lease extension to go along with that because I think that's fair. I think you've seen that in the NFL happen over and over again. So <clears throat> you have to go to the owners for that, but I think that's been a precedent that has been set. Um, but I would feel good about going to the people of Jacksonville and making that case. I think what hasn't happened in the past is, is nobody has taken the time to go to folks to make the case or to actually show them the return on investment. And some of the deals haven't been good. The Lot J deal, for instance, wasn't a good deal for the taxpayers. Uh, but, but I do think it's going to be vitally important. Look, anybody who's ever in that stadium, we sit in the north end zone, and, and every possible uh, walk of life is represented in that stadium. People all united don't care what party they are, don't care where they come from, everybody's just happy to be there together in pride for Jacksonville. That's important in addition to the economic benefits the Jaguars bring. How far are you willing to go as mayor to ask the taxpayers to fund that? Is there a number that you have in mind, a percentage oh, of no. the balance Listen, of what it would look like? I'm not going to negotiate that um, before I ever even get into office. I can tell you that I have met with Shad Khan. Uh, I believe he has a love for this city, and I believe he wants to be a part of, of the renaissance of this city. Uh, I think, um, you know, he takes a lot of heat from a lot of people, and I think that comes with the territory probably of, of being as wealthy as he is. Uh, but I think he's made some investments, and I think he's willing to make more. And, um, and I think that um, we should really embrace um, what we have there. So um, I think he's going to be a willing partner. But here's the deal. I think we have to have somebody who is, is willing 
to negotiate on behalf of the city. I think what we've done so far is basically said, hey, what do you want? Here it is. Um, and I don't think that's a very good negotiating tactic. So I think we need to bring the best negotiators to the table. And I think we will have a willing partner in the Jaguars. And so besides the Jags and all the, the things that surround that and, and uh, the new buildings and new hotels and condos, uh, is there any other area of Jacksonville where you think we could be attracting young people? Uh, we have a pretty young median age yeah. here in Jacksonville, but we need to continue that we to do. keep uh, the, the jobs and uh, to keep the city thriving because we need folks to keep working. So what other projects are you looking at uh, that might be able to bring people in? Well, listen, I, I think, you know, I, and I tell young people this all the time, I'm so excited about them. We have some amazing young leaders in our city that I cannot wait to hold the door open for when I get into the mayor's office. We need their energy and their innovation. Um, but what we have to do, and one of the things that's already in the works, but we, we, it's not funded yet fully, so we have to continue intentionally down that road, we've seen so many fits and starts in Jacksonville, is this activation of the riverfront. Um, when you take a look at, at all of the plans there, 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 there's dining, there's entertainment, there's open park space that would attract people downtown, especially young people are going to love that. You have to create opportunities for them downtown, educational opportunities, opportunities to, to take part in the new technologies that, that are part of, of the coming economy. Those things are things we need to be very intentional about to make sure our young people not only want to stay here, but want to raise their families here. You know, I, I tell I tell the kids all the time that I um, I have two kids, um, and and my one son is here and works downtown. And my daughter I lost to Tampa several years ago because she said there's just more to do in Tampa and more opportunities in Tampa. And I actually have a little wager with uh, former Mayor Buckhorn over there that I'm going to bring her back once I'm mayor of Jacksonville because we're going to bring arts and culture and entertainment back to downtown and make it a focal point for our kids. That's what they want. Big issue in recent years was the failed privatization of JEA. Yeah. Will you pledge to never seek privatization of JEA in a Donna Deegan administration? I've given a lot of, of, of verbose answers to you today. This one is simple. Yes, I will, I will absolutely, positively promise to not privatize JEA. How big of a deal is JEA financially? to the current structure and to the future financially of the city of Jacksonville. Well, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal, and it's one over which we have control, uh, that, which was one of the big arguments to me against privatization. We have more control over over everything, every iteration of that. And and actually, you know, we have a little latitude for, for what we can do in terms of the JEA profits. Uh, so I think we need to take a look at that. I think we need to take a look at what we are taking from JEA in terms of, of, of what we can use for, for our city, and I think we need to be very intentional about making sure that stays in city hands and certainly the public has made their voices loud and clear there um, I think I have a couple of opponents in this race that that were on the other side of that issue and now they're trying to backpedal as fast as they can on that but at the end of the day um, I don't believe privatization is the answer when it comes to JEA half hour flies by oh, and we're no, up against already. it already <laughs> where can people find out more about Donna Deegan about the campaign before ultimately making their decision I would love it if they would go to Donna for mayor.com. They can see all my plans, whether they be um, for infrastructure, healthcare, or the economy, or anything in between. We've got a lot of information on the website and would love to hear from folks as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Donna. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And of course, you know, we'll see how the uh, election goes on the 21st, early voting on the 6th. And uh, we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Donna today. 
And we'll continue this into next week. We have every one of the candidates who are running for Jacksonville mayor here in the Farrah and Farrah Performance Studio over the coming days. If you've missed any of our conversations, you can go back and watch them on YouTube, Facebook, at our voter guide at WOKD.com. And we'll continue to spotlight this really important race in Jacksonville into next week. Donna, thanks. April, thanks. Thank you so much, We appreciate your time and attention today on 104.5 WOKD. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.